Welcome into the Young Turf Podcast. Ahmed Kapir and Mason Viner. Ahmed, lots to get to on the show today. We're talking turf basketball, football recruiting, Maryland with a late pickup to their 2024 class. Let's start it off with the game from last night. Maryland falls and eats Lansing and drops yet another one, uh, quad one opportunity to the Spartans. Yeah, obviously. I mean, I think it was a disappointing uh, beginning you know, to start to that game yesterday. But I think, you know, if any Maryland fan kind of told you that Julian Reese was going to finish with two points, played 14 minutes, and you would be in a one-possession game largely for, you know, maybe 35, 34 minutes, uh, I think a lot of people, a lot of fans would uh, would be really content with that. Um, but again, it just felt like this was a, a must-win game for Maryland to really get on the right side of the bubble. Um, you know, one possession was, you know, four or six-point game kind of throughout, um, but it was close, and Maryland uh, did a really good job. But again, just felt like it was uh, just too, too much in the end and uh, another tough road loss. It is, and and one thing that's becoming more and more evident and more and more, I feel like, disappointing to watch this year is just how good Jameer Young is. He puts up another 30 point plus performance on the road in conference play and the rest of the supporting cast really just there isn't a supporting cast at this point for Maryland well into the second half or into the second half with three scorers that pick up end up picking up like Juju Reese's free throws in the end that adds another player that enters a scorebook but Dante Scott and Jameer Young are putting up the performances that really at this point fans expect it Scott's really stepped up here down the stretch both on the defensive end uh, and with his three-point shooting, specifically on the offensive side of the ball. But Maryland, just whether it's Jamie Kaiser, Jahari Long, the guys that we saw play well against Nebraska, combined for zero points in this one, and and it shows. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, I think Jameer, I mean, uh, I think fans just saw how special he was last year. But the stretch that he's really put together since, you know, the beginning, I mean, frankly, the beginning of the season, but feels like uh, mid-December on um, has been remarkable. Um, and obviously, Dante Scott, it feels like ever since he kind of got settled in uh, into his new spot at the three, that was kind of when we saw his efficiency kind of take that next step. Um, obviously, I mean, I think the big thing with – with Saturday's loss is obviously Julian Reese. I mean, like you said, you know, playing 14 minutes, two points um, added, like you said, uh, Mason, he added two free throws, Jahari Long added two free throws as well. So technically only five scores from Maryland, three players uh, hit, hit scored a field goal there. But um, again, you know, Julian Reese picking up two fouls uh, within the first two 30 of the game uh, picked up, he came in, picked up his third foul three and a half minutes later, uh, eight seconds into the second half, I uh, got called for another foul. So um, that, that really kind of took Maryland out of its element a little bit. Now, again, you know, the defense really has not um, let down at all. And I think she think I saw Eric Hayes tweet it. Um, it's hard to win when you're playing perfect defense um, or when you need, you need to play perfect defense in order to give yourself a chance to win. But that's kind of the case. I mean, you know, Maryland's defense has kind of been um, that bread and butter over the last four or five weeks that's helped kind of, you know, the, the offense kind of add some points along the way, you know, whether it's a transition um, or, you know, second chance points of winning, uh, dominating the glass at times as well. Uh, but again, you know, Julian Reese um, figuring out how to keep him on the floor, uh, how to stay out of foul trouble has not been uh, just a word issue. I mean, this is, you know, year three and, you know, this is far from the first, second or third time we've had this discussion with him. But, um, you know, the the problem remains the same. Like you said, uh, just no supporting cast. Um, after we saw uh, Jamie Kaiser Jr. have a career day last weekend against Nebraska, um, very minimal production from him. And Deshaun Harris-Smith uh, finished here for three from the field. Um, again, you know, the, the freshmen do uh, what, what uh, production has been from them has significantly hindered Maryland. But um, Julian Reese, just his – 
him not being available and Jordan Geronimo having to fill in at the five um, really took Maryland out of the game plan, I thought. It really did. And and at some point it becomes the same thing as we talk uh, during football season about with the personal fouls. When you become a guy that's known to foul, the referees know, and it's the same guys that are repping these games. They're looking at Julian Reese as somebody that commits fouls. And at, and at some point you have to do the same thing that Maryland ended up doing on the football side. You have to play a beyond clean game to not get away with that. And that's really tough. I mean, the refereeing of the game as a whole, which is one of the topics I wanted to get to, I felt like was poor specifically in the moving screen. The moving screens are just apparently not a foul in the big 10. If you watch Wisconsin Purdue today, you saw the same thing. I mean, it went both ways. Jordan Geronimo's basically setting a moving screen every time Maryland's at the top of the key. I don't understand how that's never called And Michigan state. I mean, they just play, they play one of those brands of basketball and that's become popular in the big 10 where, they're going to foul you every time, and the rest just going to stop calling it eventually on your drives to the basket. And that's why, talking conference-wide, that's almost why that these teams lose in March in the first weekend because they get refs from another conference that don't ref the game the same way. But on that, I mean, Michigan State's game plan-wise, their adjustments, the seal plays in the second half, which were called out on the broadcast pretty well by Robbie Hummel, just picking Maryland down and picking the Terps apart without Julian Reese in there, without a true second post presence to get out and block shots. Jordan Geronimo is a guy that you start to have to give credit to at this point in the season. I mean, for a while it was sort of a zero out there on the court, but his effort shot blocking, rebounding, basically doing the dirty work for Maryland here down the stretch, he's contributing. And and it, it's yeah. one of those things where, again, you watch a team and you're like, they're one mediocre three-point shooter away from, from doing something. A guy night in, night out that can, you know, put up even high twenties or like mid thirties percent from three and just makes the defense stretch uh, a little bit. Cause Deshaun Harris Smith, I mean, you don't have to guard him from the perimeter. You basically don't have to guard him on offense. He's giving away more points than he is scoring in yeah. the transition game. And when Jahari long is not on, which he really hasn't been much on the road uh, during his career, he, he's basically similar in, in that sense. And it goes for Jamie Kaiser too. Jamie Kaiser He's getting better over time, but he's getting pushed around in the defensive end by the teams that are more kind of banging out in the post and don't have any perimeter shooting. And you just go down the list right now and you're like, if if we get zero from, you know, Julian Reese, Jamie Kaiser, Jahari Long, the chances that Maryland wins are about 15 percent at best, even with a guy that's putting up 30 at night. Yeah, I mean, I, again, you know, I think, you know, Jordan Geronimo, I think, you know, it's been hit or miss. You know, I, I looked it up. I mean, he's still, you know, he's only posted, you know, 10 or more points once uh, in the new year. Um, and I think, you know, again, I think, you know, I think he struggled a little bit in the second half yesterday. I mean, Malik Hall, you know, I think he, he did, I believe it was 14 of his 19 points came in the second half. Um, and he did, a, he was kind of able to find his his groove Um especially in the low block. And I thought Merrill kind of struggled to, to kind of adjust to that, especially with Julian Reese um, still struggling with the foul trouble, like we mentioned. But um, I think the, the the development with Jamie Kaiser, I think is the beginning of the season, his shots just felt so forced. And it's, I think in hindsight, maybe a little bit more natural, which is kind of considering freshmen just trying to get comfortable, figuring out his groove. And I think he's, he's his shot selection and he's moving uh, a little bit, just a lot more fluid within the offense. So I think that's kind of the development. But again, I think, like you said, with Deshaun Harris-Smith, you know, what he's doing, giving away more points, you're still seeing way too much of him driving 50%, 70% down into the paint. Uh, and then he's dishing it out with, you know, it's a toss-up, whether it's going to 
result in a turnover or not. Um, so again, you know, you're, you're kind of, you know, at this point where it's in February and, uh, you know, you don't want um, to deter confidence too much, obviously with your freshman who, uh, you know, throwback to when Willard said he was the most talented freshman that he's ever seen. But um, so far right now, it's just really um, been, been, tough for Maryland to get any production from him. And I think uh, with Maryland not getting any production out of him, um, it's continued to put that strain on Jameer Young. Um, it's why we continue to see, you know, only two, three scorers for Maryland uh, really emerge. And um, Jahari Long, I think that's kind of where he's been able to step up a little bit. But um, again, on Saturday, I thought both teams just really good, a good job defensively. Um, and it felt like, you know, when Maryland, Jameer Young had that uh, reverse layup uh, just over seven minutes left to take that first lead of the game. Uh, felt like Maryland was maybe kind of turned that tide until uh, that 12-0 run. Yeah, Michigan State again, maximum efficiency just for really two stretches in the game late in the or middle of the first half when they kind of jumped out ahead and then the Terps had to battle back and then they finish it again with just three, four efficient points resulting offensive possessions and Maryland just happened to run into a cold spell there at the end of the game where they they don't find a point during that 12-0 run. Um, I think when it comes to Deshaun Harris-Smith, I, I don't understand why he's not driving the basket more. You know, he he gets a little bit out of control and it does result in turnovers a fair amount of times. But at some point you would think if you're Kevin Willard or you're on that bench for Maryland, you look at, at what has become your two guard uh, in the scenario who can handle the ball a little bit. And you say you have to find a way to get some sort of involvement, some sort of field goal production out of, of one of your starting five. And I mean, if you look down the stat sheet in this game, it's not like, Jahari Long, who's out there for 30 minutes, too many attempts to field goals, both of them three-pointers. It's it's a little bit like floor balance, you know, but at the same time, in terms of production for Maryland, reliable guys like Dante Scott and Jameer Young, they combine. I believe they both end up shooting 12 threes in the game. Neither one of them are great three-point shooters. Jameer Young goes four for 12. Dante Scott goes three for 12 in that case. And still a lot of bad offensive possessions where one of those two players ended up jacking up a three. And it's, it's just it's a step backwards from, from last year, especially with the post production. Yeah. Uh, and again, you know, I think Kamir Young, I think it felt like he just, um, you know, again, you know, just, just through, through that run, just felt like it just got away from Maryland really fast. And once it did, um, just felt like the Michigan State it took complete control and um, there was really no, 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 I don't want to say no hope for Maryland, but it felt very apparent that, Maryland was not going to be able to avenge that loss from two weeks ago, which is a disappointing outcome, obviously, you know, coming off of a week by and, um, you know, I'm really, I don't try and dive into, you know, press conferences too much, but um, hearing Willard talk about, you know, just, you know, they, they weren't uh, kind of comfortable or whatnot and they, they, they it's too long of a break. Um, and Jameer needs to, he's more of a rhythm guy. Um, I don't know, it felt like right before the Nebraska game, we heard a lot about how the players were tired and traveling and things like that. So I think that was a little bit disappointing to hear uh, post game. But um, again, you know, like, like we said, to start the show, I mean, Merrill needed this game uh, in order to really entrench themselves on the right side of the bubble. Um, not that this win would get them uh, in that bubble conversation, but definitely gives them a chance. Uh, quad one win on the road, obviously uh, a top 25 team in the net rankings. Uh, but again, Maryland will have to figure out a way to do uh, or to pick up those results elsewhere. Yeah, let's take a look at that, Ahmed. The Terps uh, fall to two and five in quad one opportunities on the season. Uh, they remain two and two uh, in quad two, two and two 
in quad three and then seven quad four wins for the Terps. Uh, they'll get two more opportunities, one a quad three at home against the 104 ranked Rutgers Scarlet Knights in their net ranking. Really disappointing year uh, in Piscataway, but ultimately a tough team and Terps going to have to take care of business on Tuesday. Then a quad one opportunity on the road at a really, really struggling Ohio State team who dropped the game uh, at Iowa Friday night at the end. Another close loss for uh, Chris Holtman's squad, who, again, struggling now in conference play. I believe they're three and eight in the conference at this point. So Maryland with uh, two solid opportunities coming up. Yeah, I think the Nebraska, uh, the, excuse me, the Rutgers game, I think um, just a chance for Maryland to really get back on track. I mean, again, back at home, um, I think this Maryland team, even though the the result of Saturday's game obviously didn't didn't go right, um, I think this Maryland team is playing a lot better than than they were three four weeks ago. I mean, I think that they are playing a much better uh, clip right now than this Rutgers team. Uh, but you know, granted, Rutgers is coming off what feels like the latest team to hand Michigan a, a comeback win after Michigan collapses in the second half. But um, again, I, I think that Maryland has a chance to do so. Um, get back in the win column there and back to 500 in conference play. Yeah, and I think obviously they'll they'll get a chance to take on Ohio State this weekend. And, you know, again, that's a 50-50 matchup. Ohio State's not playing their best basketball right now. So um, we'll, we'll see what Maryland team is able to show up. Obviously, they've been able to do a little bit better on the road this year. But uh, toss up. But, uh, again, that margin for error for Maryland is slim. Uh, and then going into the two uh, really last-chance matchups for Maryland, I think it's uh, not a stretch to call both these games must-win. Yeah, I would argue the next three are must-win. You add that Iowa home game on to the end of, of these next three. It gives you a chance to get some momentum going into the matchups uh, at home against Illinois and then the road game uh, when Maryland heads to Wisconsin. But you said it. There's The margin for error is gone. You know, this would have been a, this was a great opportunity to pick up a road-quality win uh, for Maryland, start to stack up some road wins in that quad one category. That opportunity obviously does not come to fruition. You're looking down – looking – really down the barrel right now if you're Maryland you've got to find a way to pick up five six to probably pick up seven more wins uh in in the rest of the way and and you can look at it and say that there is a chance for that Maryland's got to start to cash in but it's game in game out you know you in some ways you can see this team getting hot and making a run but they're also you know one nicked up Jameer Young away from probably you know reversing that record and maybe winning only two or three more the rest of the way yeah, I mean, if Jameer Young goes out, uh, you probably put the over under at one and a half wins the rest of the way. Uh, I think it's that'd be that'd be tough just based on really the production and and the the, the just the way that Maryland leans on Jameer Young to pretty much do everything. So, but yeah, obviously we'll see. And then um, yeah, again, you know, Maryland it'd be disappointing if if Maryland isn't able to get back. But uh, I think it's you know again not not a stretch to say that Maryland also needs to figure out a way to win against Illinois and win at Wisconsin. Again, that win uh, at Illinois, of course, a signature win and the lone signature win for Maryland, but uh, still comes without Terrence Shannon. So uh, I think a chance for Maryland to pick up another quality win um, gives them some hope. Yeah, it definitely does. Let's flip over to the football side. And Ahmed, there is never a dull week when you're covering uh, Mike Loxley on the recruiting trail. Yeah, football recruiting is definitely a uh, beast in itself, but Maryland added another 2024 commit. Uh, and if you've been following on Inside the Black and Gold, you've had a good idea that this was coming, that Maryland's been in hot pursuit uh, ever since Azar Abdul-Rahim came aboard in St. Francis. 
uh, four-star fringe, four-star cornerback, Kevin Humes, five foot 11, 175 pound corner. Um, he'll enroll uh, in, in June as well. Uh, but Maryland, committed to Maryland over Syracuse, also had Penn State, Florida, Notre Dame, uh, USC in that top group as well. Um, but again, you know, I thought this was a guy that um, kind of unsure if Maryland was going to make a make a run. I think Maryland did a really good job. They liked him and they, they he graded high. Um, but once he made his decision to reclassify from a 2025 to 2024 prospect, uh, you know, Maryland was kind of on the cusp of a decision, a coaching change at that position. Um, but I think again, you know, once Azar Abdul Rahim came on board, Maryland really never wavered in their pursuit. Uh, the lone official visit that Humes took was to Syracuse. Um, the Penn State, Notre Dame, USC officials uh, have seen a, that some graphic uh, surface on Twitter, and uh, none of that is accurate. So none of those visits materialized um, because Humes took a pair of unofficial visits to Maryland uh, for the Michigan State game, Nebraska game, uh, and then he returned this past weekend for his official visit. Um, so again, you know, five foot eleven, 100, 175 pounds. Um, I think he fits in as a nickel corner, um, and, and Humes, I think he's a guy. If you talk to guys over at St. Francis, uh, was among the fastest guys, if not the fastest guy on the St. Francis roster. Um, so when you talk about adding speed to that secondary room, Humes definitely fits that as well. So um, another corner uh, that, that Maryland adds. And then Humes should be signing alongside St. John's safety, Shamar McIntosh, uh, this Wednesday, February 7th. And that should be the end of the 2024 cycle for Maryland. Yeah, it's it's been, you know, our position of need that, you know, you and I have been talking about a lot on this show. Does that mean, you know, portal-wise, I, I can still see Maryland taking, you know, a look at, at what's available in the defensive backfield? Uh, as of Sunday night, I no longer would expect Maryland to um, make a run at potential spring portal guys. Um, I think that, that as of now, it's just too tight of a turnaround. The last, the ad drop, uh, deadline is on Tuesday, and I think just kind of the the logistics of it at this point. Uh, I think that's just it's going to be too tight, uh, too tight, too tough. Uh, but again, you know, offensive linemen. I think it's offensive tackle, uh, whether it's left or right. Uh, that's a priority position of focus. Uh, defensive lineman, corner, um, tight end as well. Matthew Hibner, I've mentioned him a bunch uh, over the last five, six weeks or so. Um, so all, all names to know uh, for for Maryland there. But uh, I think. Potentially, we see that next wave of, of targets uh, emerge through spring ball, through the next wave of portal entries. And, AG, we keep uh, the high school train rolling into the 2025 class, huge DMV class, and uh, Loxley getting active this weekend. Yeah, this was a, a weird weekend. It sounded like there wasn't um, – so Tom Loving had a, a, a photo shoot. He's done it historically in years past, hosted at DeMatha and, you know, have guys come over to Maryland one-on-one and um, usually ends up being a pretty chaotic day. and. Sounded like that was kind of on the table and uh, then ended up materializing. But uh, Maryland did end up hosting a couple of guys on campus. Uh, wise defensive end uh, Trent Wilson made it up. Uh, good counsel trio, Fahim Delaney, uh, offensive lineman, or Fahim Delaney's five star safety. Uh, I've said it again, if you're following inside the black and gold, I think he's the best defensive prospect out in, in Maryland uh, since Chase Young. Um, I, I think he's he's that, that good. Um, uh, obviously, Trent Wilson, and then not a good counsel as well. You had a pair of off- offensive linemen, uh, interior lineman Gavin Crawford, uh, and then towering tackle, six foot eight tackle, uh, Aiden Buchanan. So, uh, and then uh, Gianni Contosis from uh, Rock Creek, wide receiver as well. Uh, all those guys made their way to campus, but again, nothing uh, too, too crazy. I know we've seen a week's past, you know, last weekend, Summit League Washington and, and uh, the Spalding guys make their way to campus. 
uh, the week before they hosted guys for the Michigan State game as well. So, like you said, it's never never been a dull moment for recruiting. It, uh, they they keep me keep me busy. But uh, I think this 2025 class, the way that Maryland's kind of approached recruiting them the last three four months, I thought you know I think Maryland has a chance to really lay a really good foundation. Obviously, Azar Abdul Rahim comes in. Everybody knows about what he can do lo- with local recruiting ties, uh, and I think that um, he's going to really try to emphasize keeping some of this lockdown talent home. So, uh, chance for Maryland to secure. Said it before, and I'll say it again: what I think could be Mike Loxie's best class from top to bottom uh, as head coach of, of the Maryland Terrapins. And Ahmed has all of your insider notes and news over on Inside the Black and Gold. Ahmed Locks also breaking Twitter this weekend with his, uh, I guess. Call it a small acquisition for a guy that uh, has coached and, and made the kind of dollars that Locks has, but is a Terp script for GT. Yeah, that was nice. That was nice. Yeah, I saw you did a little uh, little uh, car advertisement today. I think you posted it on on uh, Instagram. Um, so yeah, whatever whatever's getting those NIL dollars rolling, man. Yeah. Uh, Ahmed, anything else to add? Busy week coming up for the Terps. Yeah, again, you know, we'll see how Maryland responds back in action Tuesday. Uh, both the men and women's team taking our Rutgers, uh, 6.30 to 8.30 tip-off. So, uh, and, and as always, we will have all the latest football coverage, posted some notes on uh, some additional intel on some of these visitors from this weekend. And, um, yeah, stay tuned. Yeah, and as always, make sure to subscribe to the podcast where you get it. Give us a thumbs up and a review where you can. For Ahmed Gafir, I am Mason Viner. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening.